Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. This is Nevin Gorky, otherwise known as DFib in the Gloom. And my co-host, Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial-Up. Dial-Up, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, Dial-Up was confessing to me earlier he smart-sacked this morning for our beatdown because he went skiing yesterday. Yeah, I needed a little extra sleep this morning, so I slept in and got rid of some soreness as well. Yeah, yeah, he showed us, a, uh, he wore his watch for his ski runs, 27 runs on Strava. It was pretty uh, uh, nice piece of artwork there on the, on Strava. It was pretty, and one, one segment crown. Yeah, yeah, he's he's winning all kinds of crowns <laughs> on skiing now. He doesn't he wins enough in, in local area, local legend uh, running, but uh, now he's taking up the skiing mantle, I guess. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to beat you, I guess. All right, well, um, our guest today is Brian Wells, known as Squirrel in the Gloom to his F three brethren. Um, I I came upon Brian's story uh, when F three produced the second edition of their book called Free to Lead. Now, for those of you who don't know what F3 is, it's a nationwide movement, well, actually worldwide now, movement uh, for men. Uh, it stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. And basically, it's a free outdoor workout for men, uh, always held outdoors, and it's open to all men, and it's free of charge. And uh, it's, it's, we're planting shovel flags, which is basically a flag on a shovel. And we stick it in the ground, and, and that's uh, where an F3 site's going to be. And so we're popping up all over the place. We're growing like crazy, and it's really making a high impact on men. And the mission of F3, which really speaks to my heart, uh, something that I've had a lot of interest in for a long time, is to invigorate male community leadership. And uh, one of the reasons we started this podcast was because my wife told me I had to. Mm-hmm. And the other reason uh, is because we want to create a forum where men can come, can come on the podcast and share their story. And we think that there are so many guys out there with incredible stories to tell that can be encouraging and motivating, inspiring for the rest of us and give hope to some guys who may desperately need it. And it's all to help accomplish the mission of creating virtuous leaders, uh, virtuous leaders that we all know that we need um, in our families, in our communities, in our nation. So, uh, that's the format, and that's what we're doing here. We've invited Squirrel to be on because, as I said, I picked up the second edition of Free to Lead, and the, what they added uh, was an essay at the end of every chapter of a man basically telling his story. And um, I'd like to just read, if it's okay with you, Squirrel, I'm going to read the intro to your essay. Um, it says, Brian Squirrel Wells experienced the worst thing a parent can go through years before he encountered F3 in the Sandhills region of Central North Carolina. This story is about how he shared his pain and vulnerability, allowing him to connect to other men as he transformed from survivor to servant. It deeply moved the editorial panel, and one of whom wrote, it doesn't get any more raw or more, vul- more vulnerable than this. Um, so Squirrel is a, a military veteran. Uh, we'll let him talk a little bit about that as well. But basically, we want, we want him to tell his story. Uh, and so I'm just going to start out by asking you, Squirrel, can you tell us? I know you sent me in your bio that you grew up in uh, Missouri. Yep. Camp Girard- Girardo. Cape Girardo. Yeah, Cape Girardo. southeast Missouri. All right. What was it like growing up there? What was your family life like? What was it like growing up in Missouri? 
small town, USA. Um, I think it's probably 36,000 people strong now, um, close to that back then. So it hasn't changed a whole bunch. It's a college town. Um, but it was quintessential Americana. Very cool. Very cool. How many, you have brothers and sisters? I have one sister older and, um, yeah, it's just her and I. All right. What college is there in, in Cape Girardeau? Southeast Missouri state. Oh, I've heard of that. Hmm. Can't remember the mask, the, uh, the nickname of Southeast Missouri. I'm state. drawing a blank as well. Help us out. Uh, well, it used to be the Indians when I was there, but they changed their name to the Red Hawks. I think it is. All right. Well, that's yeah. better than commanders anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, uh, question, uh, another question I have for you. So you, uh, you entered the military right out of school. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Five days after, uh, graduating, I got my PhD from Charleston, uh, public high school diploma. Okay. And, um, what made you want to enter the military? What prompted you to do that? Uh, honestly, I didn't like school that much at that point. Um, and it was, it was just a way to kind of grow up a bit. So initially it was, you know, my mindset was four years and out, that's all I'm ever doing. And I'm going to get a little, uh, education and then go back to school. And 22 years later, I retired. Wow. Yeah. So it stuck, huh? You got in there and just kept going. Yeah. Got a little bit institutionalized as they say. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing to me in your bio says that you served in the white house at age 19. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I uh, went to tech school in Fort Gordon, Georgia. I did out of there. And while I was down there, the white house came, white house came and, uh, looking for uh, radio technicians. So I went, interviewed with them, and was accepted. So I uh, loaded up the car and went to D.C. Wow, that's cool. So if I'm reading this right, um, you served during the end of the Reagan administration, Bush, and into Clinton. Is that right? Correct, yep. Okay. And then uh, did a uh, eight-and-a-half-year stint down here at Fort Bragg uh, during the 90s and early 2000s, and then... Went back and finished my tour at the White House. Ah, very cool. And you made a career out of it. Well, um, you know, F3 is about um, developing virtuous leaders. We know guys that are involved with F3 are mostly familiar, at least almost everybody, not everybody, with Dredd and his experience in the military and then read, writing the book QSource, which is a leadership manual, so to speak. Um, one of the questions I had was uh, what kind of experiences you get in the, in the military that allowed you to uh, be successful as a leader outside the military? Did, did they translate the le leadership um, strategies and, and the way they taught you to lead in the military translate to the corporate world? Yeah, they do, actually. Um, not so much as in a hierarchy, but leading from a place of, of heart and leading in uh, with the other person in them. You're not leading for yourself. You're leading for those who come behind you. Very cool. I'm not sure. I don't know, Dial-Up, have you experienced that kind of leadership where we work? Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Yeah, I mean, we could probably learn a thing <laughs> or two. 
um, yeah, we work for a, a large organization, which we will keep nameless right now, I guess. That's right. Probably should. Yeah. <laughs> probably shouldn't have shared our real names at the beginning, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Whatever. <laughs> Hopefully they're listening to the podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in reading your bio, you know, obviously we want you to tell the story um, that you shared in your essay. Uh, so I'm just going to just open the floor to you and, you know, and let's, you know, tell the listeners uh, what happened and, you know, how F3 got you through it. And, and this isn't supposed to be just an F3 podcast. We, we're hoping even men outside of F3 will tune in to find out what it's like to be a high impact man and what can help other guys. Right. Thank you for that. Um, so as, as we groundwork for, I, I did 22 years in the military. I retired and transitioned right back into the white house as most military folks do just kind of go with what they know. And, uh, from there I, I went to Verizon federal. So I worked still and have ever since I, I retired, but, um, I was investing more of myself than I should have been. And I didn't know it at the time I was climbing the military ladder. I did quite. And then, uh, after retirement, I just doubled down in my civilian career and put all that blood, sweat, and tears, just like I had in the military into the civilian, uh, into my civilian life, into my civilian career. While on the corporate side, I was doing quite well. On the personal side, I kind of, and that's, you know, it's mentioned in the book or in the essay um, that that's, that's the way things were. Um, in the military, I was deployed quite a bit, um, cost me my marriage. Uh, and the when my ex-wife had moved to D.C., I, that's when I said, hey, I need to move and be by the kids. Um, fast forward into... 2014, I uh, had been in the D.C. area again, second time, for seven years at that point. And I thought things were going pretty good. I got remarried to a, an amazing woman, um, still married to her, and thank goodness she still likes me. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. Um, yeah, just an amazing woman and um, two beautiful children, uh, Anina, my oldest daughter, and Lucas. And um, he was uh, a wrestler in high school, uh, an athlete, affable, lovable kid in high school and had graduated, probably should have gone into something other than college. Uh, he took his uh, scholastic aptitude after his father, which wasn't all that great. <laughs> and um, so um, he came over as normal on uh, Easter, the day before Easter. And he'd sleep over. We'd go to church the next day. It was just a, a yearly thing that we did. And my daughter had moved on, moved out of the house by then. And uh, that night, April 20th, 2014, uh, I went in to wake him the next morning and found that he had passed away. 
um, he had died of a drug overdose. Not that that's the most important thing. Um, it didn't matter if it was cancer or COVID or anything. It was the fact that he was gone. Um, it, I will say that, um, while it was a drug overdose overdose that took his life, uh, we believe it was kind of a, a one-time deal. So it was uh, an experiment that went extremely bad. Um, so we stayed in the house where that happened for the next year. And um, I was putting my shoes on one morning and I told my wife, this was it. We had to go. I couldn't put my shoes on in the bedroom where he had passed away. It was just, it had gotten too much. So uh, we packed up our bags and moved to North Carolina within three months. Uh, landed, landed down here, um, got into the corporate world a bit, but definitely not as heavy as we were in the DC region. And, uh, and let's see, it was two months after we got here, uh, Mike Edwards fellow, uh, F3 mad bum mm-hmm. had invited me out into the gloom and I, he said, Hey, it's, you know, it's just physical fitness, same thing you've done in the military for 22 years. So I decided to join him, and the hook was set. And here we are five plus years later. And I'm still going out four to five days a week. Nice. So how did your uh, experience with F3 help you? Did, did, uh, was it a helpful thing getting together with those guys in the gloom all the time to get through this? Oh my God. Yes. It was a life changing event. Um, initially I went for the, the physical fitness just to get out. Uh, my world had collapsed. Uh, I didn't know which way was up anymore. I was in a deep valley mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and while my faith was still strong, my direction, my compass was askew. So, uh, getting out there with the fellas every day and just being around them was life altering. Um, they came to know my story. They all rallied around me. It was, uh, it breathed new life into me. I kept showing up and they kept showing up. And that was probably the biggest thing uh, the biggest change was the fact that they they came alongside. And sometimes words were said, and sometimes words weren't said. But the fact that they were there with us, with me, um, changed everything. So I'm just, I'm curious, um, during that time from when your son passed away and bef- before you moved, when there was that you know, big void in your life, were, were there, were there men that you had relationships with and interacted with? Um, or was it just kind of a complete absence? Um, so there were coworkers, but there were none that were coming around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was a very lonely place. Yeah. And that's kind of where, that's what I was wondering, you know, what, what was the difference between maybe those relationships or friendships or, 
men that you had in your life during that time versus what you experienced then when you went to, to that first beat down in the gloom? Right. I think many men can, can relate to the fact that they have friends, quote unquote friends in their workplace. But if they look in their hearts, I think they'll find that those friendships are fleeting. Mm -hmm. If you leave that workplace tomorrow in a month, are they going to know your name? Yeah, and I think you know, and, the Dread and OBT talk about that in Free Delia. I think they call it the sifter, right? The right, exactly. Friends that, like you're describing, fall through when times get hard, life gets shaken. It's the guys, the particles that stick. They're the friends that, uh, that you really need in those kind of times. That's correct. And I, I think often uh, we, or I can definitely say for myself, I thought I had friends, yeah. but it took that, that sifter and that life shakeup to realize I didn't. Yeah, that's that's uh, a great story. It's like not great that your son passed away. Forgive me, but uh, what can happen when you encounter a fellowship of men, and uh, the benefits that could come from that? Because you, um, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in your essay, you talk about something they call morale calls. You start yep. switching to focusing on others. You know, it says you're going from survivor to servant, which is the the terminology that they use in the book, but um, but becoming that servant type leader, I think that our, our our antenna go up a little bit more for other men that may be struggling. Um, it's hard to see them when we're inner focused, and you know one of the things that um, it says in your essay that you wrote in 2019, you made an internal promise to call people when they came to mind or landed on your heart. Uh, is that, is that kind of what happened? You, you know, you, you lose that little bit more internal focus. You start to get healing and, and you recognize the benefit and the blessing, the advantage, uh, of that. And now you're seeking out other guys to help them. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely, we are gifted more by giving than receiving. And it was, uh, just, uh, is in the essay, uh, it was happenstance happened to be driving toward Fort Bragg one day and uh, an old army buddy popped in my head out of the blue and I just pulled over by one of the drop zones and gave him a call. And it was in that moment when he poured out his heart and, you know, I had meetings to go to, I had things to do that day, but it was the fact that I had switched something in me had switched to be, no, I need to be here in the moment with this person who's being vulnerable and not allow the world to take over. And from that moment on, it was, it could be a two minute call or it could be a 30 minute call. I didn't know what was going to happen when I reached out for these morale calls. And if it was a 30 minute call, then that's what it was. I just had to be, where I was with that person in the moment. Yeah, that's great. Dial up. I know we, we've been talking about uh, reaching out to guys that we haven't seen for a while. Yeah. Or even guys in our packs who, you know, we may recognize something's going on, but um, it's, it's so easy not to do that when you're distracted. You're distracted either by the busyness of life, which is not a real excuse, or just distracted by uh, your own uh 
personal ambitions, selfishness, you know, you're, I'm just focused on myself, that kind of thing. And, and then you just can't recognize that stuff and you don't do those things. Um, we have in dial up and I, we didn't, we didn't serve like you did. Now I went through basic training a long time ago in the army. That was about the extent of my military experience. But, um, but we played on sports teams. And, you know, F3, I kind of likened to being on back on a sports team. Uh, I played basketball in high school and being together with my buddies and doing things together outside of that and stuff. They knew me as well as anybody could know me. And uh, I think, you know, working out hard together and doing something challenging in the wee morning, you know, the uh, early morning hours and the gloom and stuff like that creates these bonds that uh, then that we could start thinking about other people and, and, and drawing closer to guys and, and helping each other. Um, did you experience dial up? Did you experience that in school? You know, you're, yeah, absolutely. You know, just that, that, that team atmosphere and the camaraderie that you have with one another. And I think you also, you really become in tune with one another to know when someone's on a high or on a low, uh, when they're just a little bit off and something's bugging them and you know, you, you kind of learn to go to them, um, and, and talk to them in that, in that setting. Um, so yeah, I mean, sports, Sports brings a lot of, you know, goodness to men as a whole. And uh, just like F3 does. Um, yeah, because we miss that when we get out of school, whether right. it's high school or college. Next thing you know, you're you know, you're out there and now you've lost that kind of stuff. So, Squirrel, you were, you know, you were in the military for a long time. You probably made some close buddies while you were there. What happened to those relationships when you, when you get out? Uh, sadly, most of them fell away. It's more mission-focused. Um, when I was in the service, so whether it was that battle or that war or that project, um, so different mindset now, it's all about the person, not the mission. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, that's what happens even guys graduating from school. You're not, you're not in the same locale. You're not in the same mission, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, that's, it's just amazing what can happen if, if you just, if you take the first step and try to find those relationships, I don't, I'm, I'm sure that you can kind of find that in other places other than something like F3, but there's nothing, I don't think there's a substitute for guys working out hard together and doing something hard together, something challenging together. Uh, that brings, yeah, up- I, guarantee, I guarantee if you go to, uh, Gold's Gym or Planet Fitness or any of those, you're not going to get it. Right. Guarantee it. Yep. Get under a log with somebody or you, you do hard things together, whether that's fitness or in your personal life, that's where, that's where that glue comes together. Yeah. I think I put that question out there, our packs one time just recently, actually like, you know, Hey, how many of you ever went to a gym and had a membership there? And when you quit showing up, did the gym call and say, Hey, where you been? We, We haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. No, they, they were content just continuing to collect your membership fee and they didn't care whether you showed up or not. Um, you know, you got a bunch of brothers in an F3 workout They're at least they better call you. Yeah. Um, ping you when they, they haven't seen or heard from you for a while. Yeah. Or show up on their front doorstep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> morning. We yeah. did that. We did that one morning. We did. We tried. We, 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 we I guess it's called shaming, but we tried it one morning. <laughs> We had fun doing it. <laughs> we did, yeah. I don't think he enjoyed it quite well, so much. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing um, how quickly the guys will get up and answer the door 
when their M is sleeping <laughs> and, um, and they'll, they'll usually join you. <laughs> yeah. Just to, just to uh, keep you quiet. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's an incredible story you have. My, I have a question. What, you're not the only guy to go through something like this. Every story is unique, but what, what would you say to a man out there that's, that's gone through something similar? What, what advice would you give? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you're broken open and there's no, uh, there's no words that can explain what a person will go through. Um, as in the essay, it, it says, you know, there are no words. There's only groans of the soul. Yeah. And I believe that every man or wife, every person who goes through this, every sibling uh, is going to experience it differently. Mm. Um, some will be stoic. Some will be emotional. And I think uh, you have to walk your own journey. But I, I would beseech anybody to reach out to others. And again, it doesn't have to be words spoken or if you're alongside somebody who's going through this, go over there, be brave enough to go and sit and be. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no words like you say, um, but the power of your presence and your genuine caring. Yeah. Uh, well said. Now, one, one I'm not going to flip the page back to read it directly, but you mentioned focusing more on your faith as well. Um, did your faith help you get through this? My faith did. My faith uh, for sure did. It was at no time during this tragedy was my faith shaken. And it was because I say because of my faith that I was allowed to move forward. Without that faith, I think I would have been completely lost. Um, and and for that, you know, I'm I'm forever grateful. Uh, I don't live um, what one would consider, you know, uh, a stalwart faith life. You know, I miss Sundays every now and then. I miss my quiet times every now and then. I'm not a perfect Christian. Mm -hmm. um, by any stretch of the imagination. Well, you know, brother, if you ever but, find one, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> right. That means the Lord has returned and yeah, we can go how see about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, I don't care where you are in your faith journey. I think even the slightest glimmer of light will shine through that darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't experience anything like you experienced, but uh, but my wife and I, we moved down to Florida when I turned 50, uh, to give you perspective, I'm 55 now, literally left my house that we sold, house that we raised our kids in on my 50th birthday, drove my wife to the airport and saw her off because she was going to fly down and uh, to the house we bought and, and start her job for two months before I came down just to overlap insurance and... Uh, 13 days before I was supposed to go down there and start my new job, I had a heart attack. And uh, so then now I go down there and I haven't recovered completely, but I, I was afraid to tell the people at my new job because I thought they might say, 
okay, sorry, you can't work here anymore. I don't know if they would have or not, but, um, you know, we were dealing with that. We didn't know anybody. And, uh, and so for the first time in my entire life, I experienced depression and, uh, I would reach out to guys cause I had a long commute. I would drive, uh, about an hour ish, uh, one way to and from work. And on the way to work, I wouldn't call anybody cause it was 5 AM, but on the way back, I would thank you. Because <laughs> dial up was one of the guys I would call. I would just pick people randomly and I just start calling them. I went back and talking to the guys from back home, you know, really helped me a lot. But it was my wife who EH'd me. Um, we were living in a place called Lakewood Ranch in Florida. And Bing, uh, Bing, for those that don't know, he's a he's a F3 guy who's in charge of expansion. But uh, he had just planted a shovel flag in Lakewood Ranch, and my wife saw it on a Facebook page, and you need to go to this. And so I never really got completely in, uh, ensconced in the culture of F3 while I was there because they started out with just Saturday workouts, and then the weekday workouts they started doing, but it was too late for me because I had to be at work, left work for work at 5 a.m. Anyway, F3 did help me, but it helped me enough. We only lived there a year, and we came back that I wanted to I wanted that to be part of my life again. So I ended up having to plant a shovel flag of my own up here. Um, so I didn't experience what you experienced by any stretch of the imagination. But there are a lot of guys out there who are dealing with things, maybe not quite as bad, maybe just as bad, but, but they need to know, just as you said, you got to go reach out to guys because you're not alone and you don't have to be alone. And I think, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's really kind of the one of the main messages we have, right? Is, you know, we don't have to walk this alone. Correct. If you find yourself walking it alone, you're, you're doing something wrong. Uh, you don't have to live life just like the next person. And God willing, you're not. Because that's where we all fill in each other's gaps. Uh, you know, whether they're going through a divorce or they're going through the loss of a child or a parent. Uh, loss of a job, any number of things, um, or right. It's not just the bad things, right? We want people around us to celebrate their promotions or the yes. birthdays or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need that camaraderie uh, to get through life in a uh, a healthy and productive way. Yeah, amen, man. I don't know what you think. Dial up. I think this is a high impact man. I think this is a high impact man. Speaking of which, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, to tell us a little bit about Delta Force because for me, I don't know about other guys <laughs> listening out there, but you know the Navy SEALs had this mystique about them and kind of you know cool stuff. But there's been so many movies and documentaries and books and probably more than they want. But you know all that stuff. I read Richard Marcinko's book when he first wrote it called Rogue Warrior, the guy who started SEAL Team Six, and it was supposed to be top secret. And now you know guys are writing books about it and all this and making movies. But Delta Force, other than a Chuck Norris movie back in the '80s, <laughs> it has remained a little bit of a mist, a little bit more of a mystique to me. I mean, am I wrong about that? What? For, I guess I guess I shouldn't give you such an open-ended question, but <laughs> uh, but let me know what it was like. But I also want to know what's the what's the um, uh, the process of being selected. You know, you gotta you gotta make it through. Uh, you know, s- the seals got buds training and whatever. Like, so what's that process like? How was that for you? And and what was you like your you know what was your time in the teams like? Uh, so the selection process is a little different depending on your job set down there. 
you've got the operators who go through a, a lengthy process and go through the long walk. Uh, there's books out there written about the long walk. Um, and for guys like me, communications, initially I was picked up to be a radio repairman. Uh, luck have it, uh, my, my MOS or my job skill allowed me to switch over to be a radio operator about three years into it. And, um, I went through the operator training course, which is, uh, about nine months long. Um, and they take you through everything, marksmanship, how to use a compass. It's as if you don't know anything, they'll take you through everything. Um, jump school, halo school, um, they're free fall for civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of it, you're assigned a squadron to go to. So that's kind of it in a nutshell on the selection process. And through that whole process, you're, you're graded. One of the phrases they use is selection is the ongoing process. Mm. So every day you're under the microscope and any day you could get the quote unquote pink slip and be reassigned to wherever the army needs you at that point. But it was an amazing experience. Uh, just talk about high impact men. Mm-hmm. It leads you to be a better performer. Uh, I won't say a better man per se, but when you're surrounded by high impact men, you cannot help but be a high impact man. And I think F3 does the same thing. I honestly believe, right. We're not going to war as F3 people per se. Uh, You know, we're not donning the Kevlar and, and grabbing our M4s and heading out to God's flung creation, but we are heading out into our communities with the armor that God has provided us on what our communities need. Wow. Yeah, really cool. Well said. Every day is selection day, I think is what you said, right? Yeah. Did I get that quote Every right? Day. Every day is selection day. Think of that. Yeah. If just that was your creed or, or motto every day as you went about your day, like this is selection day. Yeah. You know, for being that leader in your family, you know, um, for being the best husband, whatever, whatever it might be. But wow. Uh, way to be convicting. What, a, mi- what a mindset to have. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, we, you know, we want that kind of mindset, this growth mindset, you know, in F3, you call it uh, accelerating, right? We want to always be accelerating in our fitness, which isn't just physical fitness. It's our mental, emotional, spiritual fitness um, and uh, accelerating in our relationships. That would be our fellowship relationship starts first with our creator, then our wives and our kids and so forth. And, uh, and then, you know, out, outward from there and, uh, and then our faith, you know, and that's a, that's, that's a, that's a task in itself every day, I think. Um, but doing it together with a brotherhood of men makes it easier. And like you said, being surrounded by high impact men certainly makes drives you and pushes you. Do you gentlemen know that if you aren't accelerating your decelerate? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that a long time ago. I, you know who, where I first really heard that from? It was Tiger Woods. I don't know if people remember, but Tiger was on top of the golf world. He was killing everybody, and all of a sudden he changed his swing. And when you change your swing in golf, you know, you, you struggle a little bit at first. And people were like, what are you doing? 
And he said, if you're not, if you're not, I think he said, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards or something like that. And I thought about it, like, boy, he is right. Uh, there's no such thing as standing still, right? The status quo is a lie. So you're either accelerating or decelerating. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. And uh, it's entropy is a battle that we all have to fight, fight against. Uh, that's, uh, you know, wearing down, you know, these bodies start to wear down, but we could keep keep building them up as we go and fight the good fight along the way. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And I think, uh, point, um, and any man out there listening, who's 55 plus as you and I are, yeah. um, don't let, because I see too many elderly men who've withered away and allowed themselves to, uh, make too many excuses of, oh, well, I did that in my 20s or 30s. And it's like, well, do it in your 50s. And yeah. There's no reason to, because again, if you're not accelerating, you're decelerating. Yeah. And the alternative is end up in a nursing home. And I'm, I'm not going there. I'm going to keep fighting right to the end, man. Well, I, I got we go, we go to hospitals to die. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I got a question for you. So, um, are, are you, a, would you call yourself a runner? Do you do a lot of running? I do a good bit of running. Yeah. I've done a few marathons, a few half marathons, you know, I'd say logging about 15 to 20 miles a week. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would say you're a runner. That's good. I think there are runners and there are guys that run. I'm a guy that runs. The dial up keeps making me run more and more. So we did the Blue Ridge Relay this past September. Oh, nice. Have, have you been there? Yeah. A couple of times. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll see you there this this uh, this next one because we're going to do it again. That's right. Are you sure? I'm sure. Lord willing, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> I got a it's, bad back. As long as it holds up long enough for me to get some prednisone to run that race, I'll he, be there. He's already got money down. He's he's going. <laughs> he's in. <laughs> yeah. His deposits paid. That's a hard commit right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Do you have any other questions for uh, for Squirrel here? Oh, you know, Squirrel. I was going to say, we never asked him what no. is, how he got his name. I've been yeah, waiting. I'm waiting to cut in here. We yeah. never heard how you got your F3 name, Squirrel. Uh, so before I moved here, I worked at NSA. And one of the guys was like, oh, like the old cartoon, Secret Squirrel. And so Squirrel it was. There it was. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, good good luck finding the nuts. <laughs> Can I say that on podcast? Is that allowed? Okay. Spielberg says I can say that. <laughs> well, Squirrel, I really appreciate it, man. This was awesome getting to know you and, and, and hearing your story. And I really just hope the guys out there that are listening to this uh, are blessed by it. I can't imagine they wouldn't be if they took the time to listen to this podcast. Um, you certainly are a high-impact man. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to have different guys on this podcast that people may know, uh, guys that have been high achievers in different areas. But there are so many guys out there that people don't know who have such a story to tell that we can all benefit from it and be blessed by. Um, you got your, your essay in the book, so you're kind of famous now. So next time I see you, I'll have to have you autograph it. But, um, but we were, you know, honestly, we want to get these kind of the average Joes, so to speak, who really make an impact in their community. Uh, and so, you know, not that you're an average Joe by any means, but, but this has been awesome. I really, really appreciate you being on here and giving us your time. And I hope to see you in the future, maybe down at the BRR or wherever. Well, we are doing clown car events, so stay tuned. All right. All yeah, right. let us know, yeah. man. 
All right, brother. All right, good, gentlemen. Thank good you talking for having to you. me. Thanks yep. for your time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week. And you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.